I heard the sound of the hammer upon the nails. I saw the pain in his eyes as from grace he fell. I saw Mary as she knelt and watched in His crimson blood of life began to fall. And when he died, he gave more than love for me. Yes, he did more than simply set the captive free. For me, 
has to shed his precious blood to save me. No one ever cared so much for me. There is no one who cares like Jesus. There's no friend so precious as He. Who would carry the cross up to Calvary? No one ever cared so much for me. Now, when I see Him face to face, in glory I'm gonna bow at his nailed scarred feet and I'll thank him for the pain he suffered all because he cared so much for me there is no one who cares like jesus there's no friend so precious as he who would carry the cross up to Calvary, no one ever cared so much for me. Now, when I see him face to face in glory I'm gonna bow at his nailed scarred feet and I'll thank him for the pain he suffered all because he cared so much
So 
Jesus is with me when the storm clouds gather. He's standing by my side when I hear the thunder roll. He holds my hand when I begin to tremble. When the winds of this world are blowing strong. Oh, my Jesus is with me when the storm clouds gather. He's standing by my side when I hear the thunder roll. begin to tremble when the winds of this world are blowing strong. Now Jesus is a fence around his children. Oh, his grace is sufficient to stand the storm. His word is a promise you can stand on when the winds of this world are blowing strong. Jesus is with me when the storm clouds gather. He's standing by my side when I hear the thunder roll. He holds my hand when I begin to tremble. When the winds of this world are blowing strong. Oh, my Jesus is with me when the storm clouds gather. He's standing by my side when I hear the thunder roll. He holds my hand when I begin to tremble, when the winds of this world are blowing strong. Now Satan is always sneaking round the gate, oh he's trying to lead a sheep astray. Oh he that is in us, he's so much greater than him, rebuke him and chase him away. Jesus is with me when the storm clouds gather. He's standing by my side when I hear the thunder roll. He holds my hand when I begin to tremble. When the winds of this world are blowing strong. Satan is always sneaking round the gate. Oh, he's trying to lead a sheep astray. But he that is in us, he's so much greater than him. Rebuke him and shakes him away. Oh, my Jesus is with me when the storm clouds gather. He's standing by my side when I hear the thunder roll. He holds my hand when I begin to tremble. When the winds of this world are blowing strong. children oh his grace it's sufficient to stand the storm his word is a promise you can stand on when the winds of this world are blowing strong yes jesus is with me when the storm clouds gather he's standing by my side when i hear the thunder roll he holds my hand 
when I begin to tremble, when the winds of this world are blowing strong. Now Satan is always sneaking round the gate, trying to lead our sheep astray. Oh, but he that is in us is so much greater than him. Rebuke him and chase him away. Oh, Jesus is with me when storm clouds gather. He's standing by my side when I hear the thunder roll. He holds my hand when I begin to tremble. When the winds of this world are growing strong, I said, My Jesus is with me. The storm clouds gather. He's standing by my side. When I hear the thunder roll, He holds my hand. When I begin to tremble, when the winds of this world are growing strong. Is with me when the storm clouds gather. He's standing by my side when I hear the thunder roll. He holds my hand when I begin to tremble. When the winds of this world are growing strong. I lean on you, Lord. 
rough waters. Oh, you kept me safe in the stormy seas. Oh, and in those moments when I was hurting, Lord, you were always there to comfort me. Lord, you've been so faithful all of my life, Lord. Now to me that's nothing new. Oh, so I know once again you'll let me lean on you. Some of you guys might have a room. Some of you might have an office. Some of you might have a chair. Some of you might have a space where you begin to prepare your heart. And I felt the whole time this whole week, I said, Lord, I just, I just feel like this is one of this, And that's always about the Lord. We know that. But I feel like, dear God, that you're trying to say something to us this week. And April, I think we should have given you the mic today because exactly what you said is exactly what we needed to hear. But as the Lord was dealing with me during this situation of trying to prepare for today, my heart and my mind went through many things, but I kind of settled on this, and I feel like the service has been directed in this manner, and I would pray that the feeble words that this servant has to say today would be comforting to you, that they would be encouraging to you. But I want to talk to you this morning about when God changes the plan. Sometimes God may end up changing the man. But the main thing is when God changes the plan. And I don't know how many of you have gone through your life. Maybe you were like me. I was about 18, 19, 20 years old when I first came to church. I got saved, you all know, in 1981. And, you know, life was kind of unsure at that point. 
didn't really know what direction, whatever. I mean, I know I like designing and drawing and creating, and that was going to be my job. But there was always something in the back of my mind, but Lord, whatever you would have me to do, I want to do that. And I figured I had it all planned out and all figured out. I mean, have you ever got your whole plan figured out? <laughs> if you ever want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans, right, Brother Bobby? <laughs> you know, so I figured I had it all figured out. I said, well, by this age, I'll, I'll have this figured out, and then by this age, I'll do it, and then by this age. And, and yeah, just about when I hit this point in my life, this will be where I'm at. But then life intervenes. Life gets in the way of your plans. Situations get in the way of your plans. Failure happens that runs you off course. Illness sometimes happens that runs you off that course. Situations come about that you didn't even foresee or foreplan, but all of a sudden, you're off what you thought was the course. You're off of what you thought was life's plan. And then, as it comes down to it, as my brother Bobby likes to say, when you've run out of answers, if you run out, then you kind of go to God and say, okay, Lord, now it's yours. <laughs> Help me, God, now I need you. I can't do it anymore. I haven't been able to figure it out. I've messed it up. Well, God, now I need you to take over. I've been wanting you to say that the whole time. But what do we do when God changes the plan? What do we do when the life that we thought, the plans that we had, get messed up? You walk down an aisle and you look at that woman in the eye and you tell her you love her for the rest of your life or that man, but then for some unforeseen situation or something, you know, maybe divorce happens. You, you didn't plan on that. That wasn't your goal. That wasn't your design. Or, or perhaps you, you pray, Lord, give us a child and, and that child is born and the child comes into this world ill. You know, not as healthy as the other kid next to the nursery. You want to know pain? Go into the nursery. The nursery is supposed to be one of the most joyful places in the world, but your child is the one who's sick. All the other parents are celebrating, and you don't want to infringe upon their joy. You know, their little Johnny, their little Susie has ten fingers and ten toes, but your little Mary is down the hall on an incubator or having heart surgery in three days. Wow, God, I didn't plan for that. That wasn't what I had in mind. Wow, do you love me, Lord? Do you even care for me? Have I done something wrong? Where, where did I mess up? I'm really, really trying hard. But it seems like life gets in the way. Sometimes you can almost feel like, well, this is the point in the time and the place where I just give up. But God has a voice. God has a say in the matter. And he comes and says, I've not forgotten you, my child. I've not forsaken you. I'm there with you through the trials. I'm there when nothing else works. God will. I'm there. He is with you through the storms that travel. God is there in all these situations. But how do we as human beings, what do we do? And what can we say? And I was reading in Proverbs 16, 9, and in verse 9 it says, A man's heart schemes or figures out his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Then it also tells us in verse number 2, All the ways of man are clean in his own life, in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the Spirit. So the Lord knows the end of the matter. He knows the true motives and the true need. 
It tells us in the book of James, chapter number 4. I've got it marked, but I just don't want to get there. Okay. In verses 13 through 15, it says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. In other words, we've got to figure out what we're going to do the next year. Wherein, as ye know not what on... Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? Is it even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away? For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. In other words, if it's in God's will, the plan will be completed. And that's part of the secret, understanding and learning and finding out God's will for our lives. That is the constant struggle for us as Christians. Lord, I think I'm doing what you want me to do, but please show me I'm doing what you want me to do. And I don't know if we ever figure it out, Brother Bill. I think it's a lifelong struggle. You're 70-ish years old, you know, and still striving and working and, and, and figuring it out. So whether you're 7 or 77 or however Bill is, he's older than I am. That's all that matters. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We're still all trying to figure it out. But Brother Bill, you spoke about last week that you wanted to preach your own funeral. And it began to make me think about the obituaries that have been changed because of what God has done. Yeah. You know, life had certain plans. The devil had certain plans. The devil desired to seek and to devour you, to sift you as wheat. But God. But God. Think of your life if the Lord was not in your life. Think about where you would be if God had not come to you when he did, where he did, and how he did. In spite of maybe the situations that you may be going through. Believe me, and I don't want to share a whole lot about it, but there were times in my point in my life when I was at such a grievous point in my life that I would go to church and I would almost sit in the back seat and and, and, you know, and I was someone that was an assistant pastor and a teacher, but I would go, I just didn't feel worthy at that point in my life. Life had thrown a curveball. Life had messed me up. Situations had messed up the plan. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm, I don't belong here, I don't belong there, this one don't like me, this one hates me, this, you know, I just don't feel like I belong anywhere. But I found a little church, and I'd go there, and, and we'd sit in the back, and there'd be many, many times I was so grievous in my spirit. I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. But it wasn't about where I belonged or what church I belonged to. I realized at one point and one time in my life it was who I belonged to. God had never done me wrong. Everything he gave me on March 8, 1981, he never took back. He said, I'll be with you till the end. I'll be a friend that will be closer than a brother. I will be the author and the finisher of your faith. It's not about if you go to the tabernacle or the Baptist church or this church. It's not about where you're going. It's about you and I. And God began to deal in that situation. I become to, begin to come out of that valley of mire. Become out of that situation of negativity. Because God was changing the plan through changing the man. He was working on me and saying, yeah, life's throwing you a curveball, but I've got a new direction for you. I've got a new way. You thought you had it figured out. Yeah, life messed up, but guess what? I'm still working. I do not believe that God is up there in the sky and says, Andy, you're born on day one. This is all, and I've got you on a road map, and 
All the bad things that happen to you, yeah, I put them there. I don't believe that. But I believe that life happens and bad situations come. But that's when God should be even more present and more close to us. Because then he says, yeah, life has thrown a curveball, but guess what? I can hit the curveball. I can hit it a long way and let me begin to work even more so now in this situation. Think about the obituaries, and I'll use my blessed brother Bill, my spiritual father. If he had not come to an altar prayer, one day they might have been reading that funeral. Bill McQueen bore X and whatever date in whatever part of Kentucky. A truck driver died alone, without a family, without friends. No one came because he had no one to come. He had driven away his, life, his wife years ago. His children he didn't know because he preferred the bottle over the relationship with his son and his daughter. His family, his friends didn't really, he had worn them dry, he had borrowed the money, he had taken the money, he had stole the money, he had worn them out so much that they had nothing left to give. A few weeks ago we read about the rich man and Lazarus. One was buried, but one was carried. And Bill McQueen was buried on X amount of date at a beggar's cemetery down the road because there was no one to pay for a stone or to pay for a funeral. That's not your funeral though, Bill. Because God had a different plan. God had a different plan and a long, long time ago he began to work on the man. And he dealt with him at an altar prayer and said, let me have your life. You've had it long enough. Let me come on the situation and let me change where you're at today. I can go through this whole church, those that were bound by drugs, those that were bound by alcohol, those that were bound by depression, those that were bound by addiction, those that were trapped in this life. And that wasn't the plan that God had for you. You weren't destined to be a drug addict. You weren't destined to be an alcoholic. Bill spoke it so eloquently last week. You have to learn to drink and to take that stuff. Your body, that which God created, rejects it. But you numb the spirit and you numb the taste and eventually you down the poison. But think about the obituaries that have been changed. Moses was abandoned. Moses was abandoned, left to drift down the river. And he could have rose up in his life and said, my mama didn't, they just threw me in a river and they threw me away. I was floated down the river. But God had a plan, sis. There was a little Egyptian maiden that pulled him out of the water, raised him in a protected environment, raised him, and then God said, now, my plan. I'm going to use you, Moses. And we think of the great things that he accomplished in his life. We can look at Joseph, and this is common amongst you young people today. Joseph was bullied. I was bullied my whole life. I grew up in Elmwood. You walk down Vine Street, there was 20 of them to deal with. They'd talk at you mean, they'd, they'd do this. You'd go to the drugstore and you'd end up in a fight and you didn't even know why. But young people today, I'm being bullied. I'm being bullied. Joseph was bullied. But at the end of the Passion, at the end of his story, he says, but what you guys meant for bad... And I don't believe God meant it for good. I believe that God changed it for good. God changed the situation. God came on the situation and he changed the plan. Esther, forced into an unrighteous situation. 
But God prepared her for such a time as this. Paul had religion, but he was lost. All through the Bible, Ruth, she was widowed, and the system failed her. Ruth and Naomi, I don't know if you get it, they would have starved to death. They had no way to provide for themselves. But God had a Boaz. See, God is in the work of our life situations. God is in the business of changing outcomes. God is the one in control of the plan. It tells us in Proverbs 16.9, again, In Proverbs 69, a man devises or schemes his way, but the Lord will direct his steps. In Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for them, for good, to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. See, that's what it's about, folks. When God changes the plan, he's given you new purpose, a new reason to live. Think about, I think of our brother dear Ronnie here. Every week, Brother Pruitt would want him to stand up and testify. Stand up and he'd give God glory for the things that happened in his life. And, but if you look about it, 20, 30 people here affected by your life, by your life, by your change. God gave a purpose. God gave, God knows what he's doing. And just imagine the people that you can affect in your little pew and in your little section and your little home and your little store and your little job, your little environment when it's about God's plan, when God works on changing you, the man or the woman. God is in the business of changing purposes. When God changed the plan, he changes the man and he gives us new purpose. He gives us a bigger purpose than we ever imagined in our life. We sometimes think small, but God thinks big. Think about old Moses. said, I can't talk, I can't do this, but God said, I'm going to use you to deliver a nation. Say, what? A nation? I'm worried about just taking care of myself. I'm just worried about making it through tomorrow. And you're telling me you're going to use me to deliver a whole nation? Yes, I am. Wow, but I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't talk eloquently. I can't do this well. All the I can'ts that I can't do. And God says, I'm aware of every one of them. And I'm going to use your can'ts. Because where you can't, I can. Where you can't, I can. There's many of us that might have a talent set or a skill set. You might be a great musician. You might be a wonderful singer, so many here within this church. You might be someone that can preach a message with such fire and enthusiasm. You might be someone that has so much knowledge to be able to pass on. You might have an encouraging testimony. You might have a fire within. There might, you sing a song. I could go all through. But when we cease and God begins, that's when we can can. That's when we can. That's when we can change lives and change people and change situations. When God gives us that bigger purpose. We think about all the Abraham. We think of Esther. Wow, she saved the whole nation. We think of Ezra, Nehemiah. They built the wall. We think of you and I. 
I've used Brother Ronnie already as a reference to the lives he's changed. Brother Tim, situation God delivered you from, the lives you changed. Brother Bill, I know you're not counting on your fingers as some of our friends do, but think of the lives that you've touched with the messages that God has given you. And it doesn't matter if it's one or 1,000, but that's because God changed the plan that the old devil had. He started by changing the man. God has a bigger purpose than we ever imagined. God also has a better purpose. We were not born to be slaves of sin, folks. We were not born to be slaves of sorrow. If you get up in the morning and you look at the mirror and you say, I have no reason to go on. Children cutting themselves with razor blades. People looking in the mirror. Where can I get my next fix? Or where can I get this? Where, where, how can I do this situation? That wasn't what you were destined for. God himself has his fingerprint upon you. And that hole you're trying to fill with those things, that's where God needs to be. You say, yeah, but you've got it all figured out and you've worked it all out and you don't understand. No, I don't. I don't understand what possesses one to do sometimes the things they do. But I do understand that God can change the desire. And I've used Brother Bill for many references today, but Bill, how many AA classes did you go to? How many counseling sessions did you go to? How many steps did you take? Yeah, he did. He took the first step. He got out of his seat and said, Jesus, here I come. He took a one-step program. And he said, when I'm going forward, that's all. And when, it doesn't matter if he made it, if he fell, if he dropped dead right where he stood. Once he took that first step, that first step, God said, I know the man. I can change that man. I can change the plan. I love him and I will be there for him. You don't have to have it all figured out, folks. You don't have to understand everything, anything. All you got to understand is I need to make that step. I need to make that change. We'll sign up for triple A, double A, or whatever A, all the A's. You'll sign up for the whole alphabet. You'll do a 5K, 26.1, 13.1. You'll take a thousand steps that the world offers, but it doesn't do a change. But God can make a difference in our lives. He gives us a better purpose. He gives us a better situation. And not only does he give us a bigger purpose, and not only does he give us a better purpose, he gives us the best purpose, the best thing ever. And James, again, it tells us, in James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You don't have to have that old devil on your shoulder telling you to do this, be there, be that. Just resist the devil. And how do we do so? We do this by submitting ourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, he will flee. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted, mourn, weep. Your laughter will be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. But humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. He shall lift you up. Not this church, not Pastor Tim, not Brother Bill, Marshall, any of the other guys. They're not the ones lifting you up. But God himself changes the plan. God does the work. 
And He wants to do a work in every one of us. I began speaking about the obituaries that have been changed because of what the Lord has done. We see the outcomes of when God comes, a better purpose, a better thing, all these. We see that happening. But last, there will be a point and a time and a place. You know, I can't explain it all. I, I don't know all the answers. I have a great friend of mine. He's a good friend. I've known him 20, 25 years. He's like Brother Duran and a few others. He's a quiet guy, but he's a great guy. Doesn't say a lot. He is celebrating, not celebrating, but it is the anniversary of him losing his wife three years ago to breast cancer. And he had a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And they prayed. And they prayed hard. They came here and got anointed at one time even. And they wanted God to deliver. And they pleaded for God to deliver. And they begged God to deliver. But she passed. I can't explain that. I don't know all the answers. But he has grown closer to the Lord now in this situation than ever before. He's realized that life is not over. I can't explain it all. I don't know why the wife may pass. I don't know why the child that is born suffers the deaths at the hands of an abusive parent. I, I don't understand that. I, I don't get watching the news and a mother drowning her three children because she's suffering postpartum depression. I, I, I don't get that. I, I'm sorry, I don't get it. I don't get the situation when a news reporter is standing out at 6.30 in the morning just trying to do a report and a disgruntled employee comes up and kills her in the camera. I, don't, I can't explain that to you, folks. I can't. I don't have the answers. I, I can't come and tell you that, well, it's because of this. I, I, I can't do that. But I can't explain this. I can explain this, that there are a people, there are a people that God has done a work in so deeply and so thoroughly and so fervently and so strong and so thoroughly that they were able to overcome by the blood of the Lamb. They were able to overcome the life situation that they were dealt. They were able to overcome this or that or whatever situation. And how did they do it? They did not do it in their own strength. But they done it about by this manner, by leaning upon the Lord and realizing that He is the answer for all of their life's questions. Amen. That He is the equation for all the difficult problems. Massa, Matt is a math teacher. He could throw him down and I could throw him one of these algebra things and I probably couldn't figure it out. I sent him a couple. I said, I think I'm right. Would you verify I'm right? He said, I'm right, so now I know I'm right. He knew the answer. He knew how the things work, how the, this X is before that Y is. And he had it all figured out, and he knew. God knows how to solve the equation of your life. But as it was preached a week or two ago, he's not going to override your will. He's not going to override you. But there are people, by the grace of God and by the mercy of God, that one day, one time, one place, the obituaries will be changed. I don't know where it'll be. It might be at full gospel assembly or it might be around heaven's throne. But they'll call forth a brother of ours and say, this is one that I worked on and I changed his life. 
This is one I've delivered from this. This is one I've did this for. This is the one I've changed here. How? They overcame. These are they that have come through great tribulation. I know there's a different application for that. But I tell you what, a lot of us go through great tribulation at time and great troubles and great trials. But the Lord someday will look down upon us and say, these are they, these are they, these are they, which have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. And I want to be in that number. I don't want to be one at the end of my days to look down at that old box that they might put me in. I don't know if, I, if I'm going in a box or if I'm going up. I don't know. But if I'm in that box, I don't want them to say, boy, he really messed up his life. What he could have been, what he should have been, if he only would have let God have his way. But he couldn't let God have his way. The devil just had too strong of a pull on him. Those situations were just too strong. The needle was this, the, the booze was this, the adultery was this, the addiction to this, all those situations. They were too strong. He could never give them up. I can't in my own strength, and you couldn't in your own strength. I, I don't have any of those addictions. Please don't imply anything. But God can change the very man by changing the plan. It's been talked about all day through the songs. April spoke about God changing, you know, the doctor pronouncing what was a 72-hour sister. God don't hear 72 hours. God hears, I know my plan. I know what I'm doing. If we listen to the doctor, if we listen to the lawyer, if we listen to his, the banker, as Sister Betty saying, if we listen to all them situations, we'd just about give up and die, wouldn't we? But listen to this situation. I like how someone much smarter than I, much smarter than any of us for sure, we need to let God change the story. Because the path that's being written right now is not what you want to have. There are many of you perhaps in here that are allowing situations and circumstances to overwhelm you. But let God change that story. It tells us in the Word of God that He is the author and the finisher of our faith. God writes great stories. God writes great stories. I read this week of so many that God had done a miraculous work from Billy Sunday to Johnny Erickson Tata to so many people and even those within the Bible. And I said, well, I can always talk about those within the Bible and, and sometimes people look at them and well, that's just a story from a day. That's just, like a, that's just like a fantasy. That's fiction. You know, this is truth. But if you can't grasp what this is truth, you see truth here today, evidenced in the lives of those that God changed the plan. I've used my brother Bill as a couple of examples, but I'm sure I could go through all every one of you. Our sister Sue, she had a drinking problem, man. She drank too much milk. She was just addicted to milk. For those of you who weren't here last Sunday, Sue was a very young child. Last Sunday night she testified how that the Lord was dealing with her and the preacher was preaching about people that have drinking problems. Sue cries her way up to the altar, pouring her heart out, and her brother comes up to her, I guess our older brother, and Sue's, what, five, six, seven at that time, pouring her heart out, crying. He said, well, what's wrong, Sue? She says, I have a drinking problem. I've been drinking too much milk. <laughs> we can laugh at that, but you know what? Her heart was already been saying that whatever my problem, I'm going to run to the Father. I'm not going to run to that other situation. 
The devil seeks you as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. This world has nothing good for you. I'm telling you, it has nothing good for you. Let God change the plan. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, a very smart man, some would say the wisest ever, had a lot of things figured out. But he spent the whole book of Ecclesiastes saying, vanity of vanities, life is all vanity. Struggling, trying to figure it out. Why does the rich prosper and the poor suffer? The old running story is God must have loved poor people because he made so many. You know, I don't understand. I, I don't get it all. And Solomon dealt with all these things through the book of Ecclesiastes. But at the end of his days, I don't know if he was a wiser, older man when he penned these words or was finally he had worked through this situation. But he sat down one day and he says, this is the conclusion. Let us hear the conclusion or the end of the matter on this whole thing. I can just imagine a wise old grandfather, Sue, or somebody, maybe in a brother JB, sitting his children down, his sons, his daughters, his grandchildren. And you guys got all worried about a lot of things. You're getting all tied up with a lot of things. You're letting that job situation you're letting that work situation, you're letting that kid situation, you're letting, it all, you're letting it all just tie you in knots. You're letting it destroy your joy and you're letting it do so many things. But this is what all that matters to you guys. Fear God. Keep the commandments for this is the whole duty of man. That's all it's about. Fear God, love God, do what the Lord is telling you to do. His instructions are pure and easy to understand. A lot of people say, well, I can't figure out that Bible thing. You don't have to figure out that whole Bible thing. Just figure out one page at a time. One verse at a time. One chapter at a time. And as Brother Matt prepares to sing, I got a good one for you to figure out. Trust in the Lord with all thine own heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. And in all ways, he will direct your paths. That, that's a good verse to start with. That, that's a simple verse to start with. You don't have to figure out that whole book of Daniel. You, you don't have to worry about Ecclesiastes. You, you don't have to worry about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you don't have to understand, are you pre-tribulation, pre, uh, post-tribulation? You don't, you don't have to worry about none of those things. You don't have to worry about, well, do I believe in the gifts or not believe in the gifts? You don't have to worry about any of those things. But a real easy verse to start with, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust. Truly relying upon the Savior today. Totally relying upon the Savior today. It's a really good little simple explanation of trust. Start there. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe you want to start with John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth, you shall have eternal life. Maybe that's a good verse to start with. And all the other things will be figured out down the road. When I started doing my career, and maybe some of you started your career, I don't know, Brother Duran, when you first started getting out there and the, the repair of the uh, HVAC home, you know, uh, heating and ventilation and all that stuff. They didn't throw you out there and say, put in a whole new system the whole day, the first day, did they? They said, well, let's start training you right here. The first thing is you got to take the cover off. 
If you don't take the cover off, you can't figure out what's wrong inside. He could be there looking at that box outside my house. Well, I can't figure it out. And even I could say, Duran, maybe use that screwdriver and, un and take the cover off. The other day he came over my house and it wasn't working and I was all hissied and all, you know, we come back from vacation. I figure, oh, here's a big bill we're going to have. It's going, oh, who knows? You know what? It's probably falling apart. Brother Duran just hops up there to the house, just having a great old time. Not because he's getting ready to give me a big bill, but no. <laughs> he, you know, he comes right up and he just takes these little things, he takes the screwdrivers, he takes that cover off, and, and that unit I, it's old, it needs repaired. I'm just praying that it lasts a little longer. I need a new one, I know, and he's going to get the call as soon as this one dies. But it's still working a little bit. And as long as it keeps on going, I'm going to let it keep on going. But it was old, and it's not as shiny as all the other ones around there. But you know what? He takes the cover off, and he touches here a little bit, and touches there a little bit. And I say, well, what's, what's the verdict, brother? What's, oh, you just need a little thing, just a little sensor, solenoid or sensor or whatever it was, one of those things. He goes out there to the truck, and he takes off, takes apart one he's got, and pirates this, and does that, and fiddles around here, and pushes here, and solders here, and hooks up there. Boom, within minutes. I recommend the services. <laughs> within minutes, it's working again. It wasn't a big problem for you, brother, because you knew what you were doing. Me, I was at a loss. In a silly example in the same way, many of you have tried so diligently within your life to stand outside there and look at it and say, but what's wrong? I just can't fix it. it. It's messed up. It's dirtied up. and it, I just need to give up on it. It's old and it's beyond repair. It's just not worth. But a master can come on the scene and say, let me get in there. Let me look at it. Let me strip away the cover. Let me get down to where it really matters, deep down within inside of you, and let me do a work so far deep down inside then it'll be changed forever. We may look at our own flesh and we may look at our own lives and think that we're not worth much and we're not worthy of much. But it seems like it's been a constant recent theme. But God looks at you and says, I know what I can do. I can take something from here. I can take a piece from the truck. I can solder here. I can work here. I can cut there. I can throw away what's needed. I can get rid of what you don't have to have. I can get it working again, and I can get all the situation under control, and I can come in and sit around the kitchen table and laugh for the next half hour. God wants to change the plan. But it's going to start by God changing you the man. This morning, this whole theme, this whole service today, it's about what God can do. I want to ask you to stand. If you have a need this morning, I would ask you to come forward. You may say, well, I don't, what's going to happen if I come forward? If you're going to take that first step, I asked last week, Brother Larry, I said, a young man came up to pray last week. I said, how'd it go? Everything good? I said, you know, good, good season of prayer at the altar. And Brother Larry gave me some wise words. It didn't matter what happened at the altar. All that mattered was the first step.
So true. Today, it doesn't matter whatever situation you're going through, whatever circumstance you're going through. What matters is the first step. Draw me close to you Never let me go I lay it all down again Just to hear you say that I'm your friend You are my desire no one else will do Cause no one else can take your place Just to feel the warmth of your embrace So help me find my way Oh, and bring me back to you you 
Many songs were sung today, but not to try to drive home the point. But Sister Abel read a verse this morning that I think needs to be re-emphasized. She says, but if the spirit that raised him up, that Jesus Christ from the dead, dwell on you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. The Lord has a work. The word of the Lord is life. You may be standing within this congregation this morning and say, but I've tried it before. I attempted it before. I gave it my best effort before and it didn't work out. Well, what's the common denominator there? You, I, I did. Give the Lord a shot. Give it all unto Him. Say, Lord, I come forward this morning bringing unto you a broken vessel, a weakened vessel, a vessel that doesn't have it all figured out. But I know that you're near. I can feel you here today. I can feel the Spirit of God working within this congregation today. I come forward. I'm taking that first step. I'm bringing everything that I have, and it may not be a lot, but I'm bringing it all unto you.